Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. Today is episode 176, and I am your host, Simone Vincenzi, the expert strategist. And this is the podcast for experts who want to become the ultimate authority in the niche while making an impact in their world. Today, I have the pleasure to interview the one and only Kristen O'Connell on how to monetize your relationships capital. This is an incredible interview, in particular if you want to grow your business without spending any money, <laughs> which is super cool. So we all want that. You must listen to the interview. Before I introduce Kristen, I want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to the show, subscribe right now, like literally now. Now, did I say now? Yes, now, fabulous. And also, if you want to make a six-figure presentations, and uh, I mean, recently we, we had an event, we made more than 140,000 pounds in sales, and uh, that was only with uh, 18 people in the room. So if you want to create small events that sell like crazy, then make sure that uh, you get the ultimate selling from the state checklist. Uh, which is the most comprehensive checklist uh, to create a pitch that sells, but without using any manipulative or sleazy sales, like, oh, I don't like this one. But it, can, uh, it gives you a great idea on how to create a great pitch and where people will buy because of the value that you provide. So love that. Make sure that you download it. It's been downloaded now more than 5,000 times. So get your copy if you haven't got your copy yet. And uh, it, we know the importance of relationship. Building a relationship is everything in business. Not only because uh, you will have a, a great community around you, uh, makes your journey much more pleasant. <laughs> we all know that running a business isn't, it ain't easy. <laughs> so you want to have great people around you that are going to open doors and opportunities. And also you want to have exclusive training. Uh, we know important of training because... It might be you learn something new that can make an entire difference in your business. And uh, I'm sure you, you can think about a time when that happened. And that's why we have created our Facebook group. It's uh, Explode Your Expert Biz. You can find it, Explode Your Expert Biz Community on uh, on Facebook. The link is here in the show notes. Or you can find it on Facebook. And uh, I want you to join because you can connect with amazing people. And as well, you can get exclusive training, like the one I did on how to become a Forbes contributor. That was loved. A lot of people loved it. Or how to get corporate clients and how to get into corporate. Uh, so there are exclusive training that I'm always doing every week for that specific group. Make sure that you join. Uh, again, the link is in the show notes. Uh, so going back to the episode... Uh, we are talking about how to monetize your uh, relationship capital with Kristen O'Connell. And to introduce Kristen, if you don't know her, uh, she's been self-employed now for the past 15 years. And she worked in sales before starting her own recruitment advertising company from scratch. And in the past year, she increased sales by 60% to achieve the million-dollar mark in revenue. And she did it in the smartest way possible, allowing for maximum profit. In fact, right now, she's also teaching other people and other entrepreneurs how to grow their businesses like she did without spending any money on advertisement with uh, little or no overheads and also uh, with uh, um, create by creating incredible uh, relationship. Now, uh, something great to know about Kristen is that their company, Superlative Recruitment Ltd., was recently awarded the London Regional and the UK National Federation of Small Business Micro Business of the Year Award and nominated for the Southwark Business Award for Best Customer Service. Now, you know there are in the industry, there are awards and awards, right? There are those awards that are literally worth nothing <laughs> just because a company wants to do them or there are awards that uh, literally go through almost uh, the most successful companies in the country they are vetted they are surveyed and they are very serious awards so these two are the two serious awards <laughs> which is something i want to i want to point out so well done kristen 
awesome job for for your awards and now i'm sure that everyone is going wants to hear from you uh, in particular how to grow your business without spending any money on ads how to build solid business relationship and how to maintain and nurture those relationships for maximum profits that's what we're going to talk about today you'll find also the link if you want to watch the interview instead or if you want to read the entire transcript of the interview get some bonus resources on our website www.gtex.org.uk forward slash 176 now i hear you saying simone shut up i want to hear from Kristen. so without further ado can you please be upstanding i mean if you're not if you're driving don't don't be upstanding but please be upstanding for the one and only Kristen o'connell how to monetize your relationships capital Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another incredible episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. Today, I'm here with the one and only Kristen O'Connell. How are you doing, Kristen? Hi, Simone. I'm doing great. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today because uh, you are, in my opinion, a very, very fascinating entrepreneur. Uh, in particular, because the first time we met uh, through our mutual friend, uh, uh, Nate Chai, uh, which actually did an episode on our show. So check the episode with Nechai, guys. And uh, he mentioned, oh, I've got this client, it's called uh, Kristen, and uh, she uh, is able to build uh, a million-dollar business uh, without paid advertisement and without paying any salary. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and... And I know you've you, you've done it uh, by building great relationship, and that's what we are talking about: uh, how to uh, capitalize on on relationship, uh, and um, and that's going to be the focus on the interview. But for people that don't know you, and uh, can can you share a bit about where you started, uh, how what made you go into business in particular? Sure. Yeah, I. I grew up in a small town, but I think I always had a burning desire to do my own thing. I never minded being unique and being an individual. I never really followed the crowd. So I think entrepreneurialism was an obvious path for me. Uh, also, if you ask my mom, she will tell you I was very difficult child to fight with. I always wanted my independence. I definitely didn't like being told what to do. Mm, yep. um, and so... It, it reminds me of someone. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of someone I know very well. Uh, so I, after I graduated from university, I, I studied marketing in university because for me it was an ever-changing field and you know there wasn't just one right or wrong way to market to an audience. I loved the creativity and the fact that you could be innovative and different and that was actually appreciated. Yeah. So once I had my degree, I think I was in the situation that a lot of people were in, just sort of thinking, okay, wait, my, my life's been pretty much mapped out until this point. I always knew I was gonna go on for education. Now I've done that, so you know, I just sort of thought I'd shout out my resume and start applying for jobs and all these different offers would roll in. And it wasn't that easy, as most people listening have probably also come to realize. <laughs> and I found myself working in a bank, which I didn't enjoy at all. What, what, uh, role, what role were you doing there? I was a, a bank teller. So just, you know, the face that you come in and you cash your checks and... Mm -hmm. What I hated about it was that there was only one right way to cash a check and one wrong way to cash a check. There was no freedom, no flexibility. It was very mechanical, probably. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I kept thinking a robot could be doing my job because literally there's an ATM outside that you could walk up to and deposit your check. <laughs> But I have to say the tipping point for me and when I gave my notice was when one of the other tellers that had been there for two years got super excited about a list that came round to the branch. And it was all the available positions within the entire state of New Hampshire for her to advance to a senior teller position. Wow. <laughs> Which meant she's still doing the same job 
but she would now be allowed to open and close the bank. So she would be allowed to come in earlier and stay later and get half the combination to this safe. And this girl, bless her, was looking, you know, was willing to drive two to three hours just for that small amount of progression after having worked there for two years. So I said, this is not the path for me. Uh, I worked in retail for a bit, which was cool because we set up a brand new store and it was fun and exciting. And at least the customers were looking for different things. So there was some variety. But again, I knew the progression wouldn't be there. So uh, about a year after I graduated from uni, I went on an interview for a direct sales company. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't necessarily extremely keen on the work itself because it involved door-to-door sales to promote restaurants or spas or really small local businesses trying right. to get their name out to the region. Sort of like a physical Groupon where you pay a small amount, but you get this yes. big value. And yes. the goal is to just increase their foot traffic and get new customers coming in. So there were things I liked about it, things I didn't like about it. But what I loved was this is the first time in my life that I was surrounded by like-minded entrepreneurial people that had a vision, they had a drive. We were all paid commission only. So we all had the graph and the work ethic. (laughs) It's harsh for some people. And definitely there were days where I didn't, uh, earned what I felt I was worth, but <laughs> in retrospect, that was probably my attitude and my work ethic that reflected that. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, again, I was around people that had a vision and people who seemed to have their life a little bit more together than mine in terms of, of their plans. So I was really locked into a lot of these people and I ended up completing a management training program And then a few years later, this company expanded internationally from the U.S. over to the U.K. And I was one of eight people selected to come over and be part of that expansion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of why I chose to do that was, you know, again, there's just something in my nature where I didn't want to be ordinary. I didn't want to do what everybody was doing. I felt that... Uh, one way or another, we're going to hear about the success that's happening over in London. And I thought I'd rather be part of that story than hearing yeah. about the story. Nice, nice. Uh, but I was also realistic. I didn't want to go and just think that this is the fantasy where I'll move to London and all my dreams will come true. So I also gave myself a year. Hmm. I said, I won't, I won't quit. I won't go back in less than a year. I'll give it a full year of 100% commitment. But if after that year, I can look myself in the mirror and say, I've given a full commitment, I've done everything I could to make this succeed, and didn't achieve the success that I wanted, there was nothing in New Hampshire or in the States that I couldn't return to. I wasn't breaking any bridges. I wasn't, you know, moving to another planet and never being able to return. Mm -hmm. And one year turned into three years, turned into five years. (laughs) So if it looks like you didn't have a, you really protected your downside. If you are looking at entrepreneurial lesson is uh, I've got this great opportunity, but at the same time, I'm protecting the downside to make sure that uh, if things don't work out, then uh, I, I am, I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to be all right. Yeah, and 100%. And I I had to commit 100% to that year because if I had just left that back door open of, well, if this doesn't work out, I can move back at any time. Then when times got tough and we weren't making as much money as we hoped or we weren't progressing as quickly as we hoped, it would have been too easy to run home. Mm -hmm. The first year is probably the most difficult when moving countries, when starting a new business, when starting a new relationship, you know, all of those things. How did you find moving to the UK? (laughs) Because, you know, from US to the UK, there is slightly different... In culture, in expression, I found it from Italy, not from the US even more. So how, how did you adjust? Well, one of my favorite stories to tell is just there's subtle differences in the language. And it's very common for people here in London to say, hiya, you all right? Like as a greeting, which the American equivalent would be, what's up? We're saying it, but we don't actually expect you to answer the question. (laughs) Yeah. 
And so people would say, hi, are you all right? And I would immediately not only go into an explanation, but you have to keep in mind that in America, you would only ask people, are you all right? If you felt they weren't all right. Yes. So you would only ever say it in America, like out of concern. Simone, are you all right? Means, hey, something's <laughs> something is wrong. wrong. Something is wrong. You're okay. So yeah. for, you know, probably a week straight, the uh, our recruiter and um, receptionist would be asking me, you all right? And every day I'm coming in. Don't you worry about me. I am perfectly okay. <laughs> like over justifying the fact that I'm all right. And I think she, you know, she finally said to me, look, it's just a way of saying like, hey, you cool. Like, <laughs> you say, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> and that's fine. Move on. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't say it was any big dramatic differences. It was just a lot of those small, small little thing. somewhat embarrassing situations. But, and, you know, and so, we live so and we from, from there, then uh, uh, you started uh, also the recruitment, uh, your recruitment business and uh, your marketing for recruitment businesses. So how did you then got the idea to then start that business? Yes. So, uh, you know, life sometimes has a different plan than what we expected. So I was a sales manager for a while in London and then relocated to Cardiff. And unfortunately, that first business failed. I wasn't putting in the right work ethic. I didn't have the right attitude towards my situation. I was trying to rely too heavily on other people, making excuses. All of this in hindsight, I can admit mm. at the time, I felt like, you know, the world was against me and things are unfair. What's But, wrong with you all? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... I had to make a really difficult decision. And now this was less than the one year mark that I had given myself. So I knew it wasn't an option to throw in the towel and move back to the US. I wasn't prepared to do that. Uh, but I did say, maybe this is a sign that my career needs to take a different course. Now remember, one of the big things that attracted me to this role in this organization in the first place was the people. Mm. Like-minded, ambitious, driven yes, people yes. with a positive attitude. I also wasn't ready to walk away from that. So I had a heart-to-heart -heart with uh, one of the regional directors for the sales organization. And he offered me a temporary role as his in-house recruiter because the sales offices are constantly recruiting new people because either sales isn't for them and they move on to something else yeah. or sales is for them and they can progress and build a team and reap the rewards There's of managing a, a team. Massive turnover in, uh, in, uh, in, in this kind of roles, in particular in sales roles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So people are either moving on to something else or they're moving up and progress yeah. into that management role. So he needed an in-house recruiter and we both looked at it like it was a temporary situation. It would keep me in the country. It would put the money in my pocket that I needed to live. But also he felt that having a recruiter like me who had actually gone through the training program, had been in the field, you know, and somebody that he trusted would be better than hiring somebody from scratch. Yes, absolutely. So having that partnership and that commitment to each other, we, within six months time, he recruited, trained, and promoted out 10 other people into that management position, which means he progressed from regional director to vice president in a very short, condensed amount of time. Mm -hmm. So that earned me a reputation within the industry as instead of being a failed sales manager, I was suddenly a rock star recruiter, which felt much better at the end of the day. <laughs> But the reality is it was all those skills that I had learned going through the sales process and going through the management process that made me such a strong recruiter. Yeah. So I wouldn't change any of that. You know, it's those things that sometimes feel really difficult at the time that shape us into who we are at the end of the day. So as I started to earn this reputation, one of the sales managers who was based in Manchester at the time He had actually moved over with us from the U.S. as well, mm -hmm. and his team was doing great at the sales, but his online adverts weren't attracting the right people. 
So in some cases, he wasn't getting enough volume. In other cases, he was getting good volume, but it just wasn't the right quality of candidate. And almost every day for a week, he was phoning me, asking me for my advice, asking what type of ad copy we were using in London. And one day, I think more out of frustration than anything else, he said, look, if I just pay you every week, will you write and place all my ads for me? <laughs> and I jumped at the opportunity. I said yes, because number one, I wanted to earn extra money and saw this as something that I could easily do outside of my working hours with Justin. Also, I went from being a sales manager working 12 to 14 hour days to then working as more of an in-house recruiter working eight to 10 hours a day, but still going home to a house that I shared with other sales managers. <laughs> so I had this free time anyways, and I was bored. We couldn't afford a TV or really anything at that point. So I wanted you know, to do something with my time. So it seemed like a win-win. Yep. And then one of the big things that I think separates me from a lot of other people in that situation or that separates the path that I launched versus a lot of freelancers is I didn't go home that night and say to myself, wow, let me do an amazing job for Jake. And once I've proven that, then I'll see if I can replicate it with other people. I went home and said, I'm going to do an amazing job for Jake, but if he's willing to pay for this service, I bet other sales managers, especially the ones that are less experienced than Jake, would also be willing to pay for this service. Mm -hmm. The very next day, I walked into the office and I spoke to the regional sales director and well, now vice president, and said to him, hey, I have this idea. He already knew that Jake was interested. And I said, I have this idea. I'd like to see if other people are interested. What do you think? And he said, yeah, let's let's see what happens. And so we got all of them on a call. And actually, I was kind of disappointed with the call because I expected that Justin was going to kind of really big up the idea and talk about how amazing he thought it was mm -hmm. because I thought it was really amazing. Yep. So I assumed that automatically he felt the same way. And we got on the call and it lasted about 30 to 60 seconds. And basically he said, Kristen's got this idea. Here's how it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to work or not. But thank, you. You thank you. <laughs> thank you for the support. I appreciate it. <laughs> but if any of you guys are interested, you know, give me a call before the end of the day today and, you know, we'll see where we go from there. Did you have and a yeah, chance to say anything during that call or it was like, uh, well, this is the thing. I kind of felt like, wait, if I knew that that's all you were going to say, I would have stepped in and said something. But that's not his, his operating style. And you know what? We didn't even need that because he said, call me by the end of the day. And I sat next to him after the call finished and I watched his phone just get message after message, call after call. All 10 people responded within an hour. That's so cool. So I knew I was onto something yeah. big. And in retrospect, when I look back at it, it wasn't that my idea was the most brilliant idea ever. That's not the case. It wasn't actually even my idea. If you remember from the story, it was someone else's idea out of complete frustration. But I recognized the scale of it. And more importantly, the reason every single one of those people said yes straight away is because I already had relationships with them and I already had a solid reputation for getting results that was backing me. Yeah. So that that's this uh, is uh, a lot about the importance of reputation in any industry, and uh, everyone is listening here right now is thinking about well, I want to become an authority in my field. The most important thing that you can that you need to have uh, is to become an authority is your reputation, because it doesn't matter how great you are, how great you are, if other people don't see that value and don't uh, recognize your work ethic and you don't have other people uh, that uh, are backing you up 
is going to be always kind of a struggle and a fight. Uh, mm-hmm. While if you are b- able to build this network, if you are able to build this connection, and you are great at what you do, and you build your reputation going from strength to strength, then there are no limits. There are virtually no limits. So from there, you ended up, and I want to start talking about uh, the uh, the building uh, this uh, building relationship and leveraging relationship now. So from there, then you started creating your own company, which then t- mm-hmm. you turned into a, into a million dollar company, uh, yep. where you were approaching other recruitment in- agencies and say, "Hey, your ad sucks. <laughs> let me let me come in and, and write them better for you." <laughs> Is that what happened? It wasn't other agencies that we were approaching. It was actually partnering with that global sales organization. So originally I didn't go from 10 to 20 overnight and then 30 and then 50 because the quality really was important to me. So I stuck with the original 10 clients for the first six months. But then as they started expanding and growing within themselves, the organization started multiplying. The sales offices were opening up across the country. They naturally wanted to use our service. So we, when we went from 10 offices to 18 offices, I needed to bring in another team member. And then those 18 multiplied. And then we did start going after um, – other organizations as well, still within the same field and the same industry, but maybe that weren't necessarily connected to the original vice president or, you know, his network. So, so it's, it's almost like a, a do the unscalable to then do the scalable. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think this is uh, what, what I what I feel about your path because you've been uh, really focusing on the quality, serving these clients really well, and then said, okay, now things are expanding organically and my reputation is, uh, is preceding me in a certain kind of sense. And so people will naturally open doors for you. Definitely. And I think you said it best a few minutes ago when you said it's the relationships and the reputation. And I'd like to add a third R to that, which is results. So in order to leverage your existing connections and your existing contacts, you need to have the right relationships. Mm -hmm. You need to have the right reputation and you need to have some sort of tangible results. Absolutely. And it's not enough to just do these as a one-off. This was all, when we founded and we started this business, this was in 2008. I couldn't have grown and built the business and maintained the business if I was still relying on what I did back in 2008, the results I had in 2008 or the relationships I had in 2008 or the reputation I had in 2008. It's something that I think about every day. It's something that I prioritize every day. And it's something that I'm continuously monitoring and making sure that I'm reaching out to people to maintain that relationship. Not only when a challenge pops up and something's wrong, I'm not just reacting to those situations. I'm proactively reaching out and nurturing these relationships I take my reputation ridiculously seriously. So it's not just a matter of, you know, there's work, Kristen, and there's outside of work, Kristen. There's, you know, a certain level of decorum. There is Kristen. There is Kristen. Kristen. And that's yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm not necessarily the best behaved person in all the client meetings, but I'm real. I make people laugh. We joke around. We have fun. You know, I don't have this professional hat that I wear during business meetings. And then I, you know, take it off and completely cut loose in social situations. I am who I am regardless of, of where and when you meet me. Because I don't want something that I do in my private life to then become public and affect my professional life. But at the same time, I don't want to put on this facade of who I think I should be in a business situation and then have somebody meet me in a social situation and think, who is this person? person." Kristen? Really? Like, what? (laughs) Exactly. So there's a lot of overlap, especially in the recruitment industry and with the sales organization. 
we all believe in the motto of, you know, work hard, play hard. So there's a lot of black tie events and social events that we go to where it is about kind of relaxing and not talking business and not trying to close sales. And, you know, so the audience is blended and I need to be that same person but it my makes, reputation uh, falls under that, yeah. It makes perfect sense. So now let's talk about how do we, and you already st we already started talking about it, so it's a nice transition, on mm -hmm. uh, how do we um, maximize this uh, relationship, uh, is that what you, you what you said, relationship yep. capital? Yeah, me, uh, yeah, monetizing, monetizing and really maximizing your relationship capital, 100%. Okay, yeah. perfect. So... Um, we already mentioned uh, reputation, we already mentioned relationship, we already mentioned results. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about, if you have to give a piece of advice or someone who is um, uh, starting out, Yeah. because uh, I want to explore two different scenarios. First, someone is starting out and then someone who is in business for a while. So we can tap into how to build the relationship and how to maintain relationship because there right. are two very different things that you need to do in, in this scenario. So if someone is starting out or they need to reach out to new contacts, how do you build those relationships first and how do you maximize those relationships? Well, the cool thing is every one of us already has existing relationships. You know, nobody goes through life with no friends, no family, no uh, work colleagues, except, you know, who, Emiliano, no contacts whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, 99.99% of the population has somebody that they know that's somewhat involved in, you know, business or marketing. And so the first thing I would advise people to do is make a list of people you know, not even that are necessarily in your field or necessarily related to what you do. You can start with those people, but then also start listing family and friends, just as many people as you can think of. I was challenged to do this at a business event last year. I said, write down 50 people. And I thought, oh, good God, I don't know 50 people that could potentially help me. But what happens is as you start writing one name, you then think, oh, and they know this person and this and this and this and this. And so I think starting with a list is important. Yeah. And I'm a little bit old fashioned. So I always think of pen and paper. But really, we all have digital networks these days. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Snapchat, we've got LinkedIn, you know, all these different social medias or networking platforms. It's, and LinkedIn makes it really, really, really easy to grow your network. I actually, in the last day, I set my, so I set myself a challenge at the start of the week to grow to 2,500 connections. Yes. And I was at 2277 when I started this project yesterday. And I just started going through and I was connecting with the ones that LinkedIn recommended. You know, in some cases, we have 300 plus mutual connections. So I was connecting with them. In some cases, I sent a personalized message as to why I was connecting with them. Now, my goal for this week was to go from 2277 to 2500. And I actually achieved that in 20, just over 24 hours. That's so, so cool. I gained 200 LinkedIn connections. Yeah. And then what I did today was I asked my PA to start going through and looking at industry-related people that we could connect with. So doing searches for people that work for the job boards or that work in HR and recruitment and just connecting with like-minded people through that field. And then we're going to go into more of the coaching and the developing and the public speaking aspect. But I think a good way to increase your network is to reach out to people for a purpose because you have something in common. Mm -hmm. You know, Don't be afraid to send the connection requests and think, what will they think? What will they think? Most people are happy to also build their network. So they think, oh, great, someone sent me a connection request instead of me having to send it to them. <laughs> And it's a, you know, it's a numbers thing. So I don't expect everybody that I reach out to, to connect back, but I also don't accept connections from every single person that reaches out to me. Yeah. So there should be, you know, a little bit of screening on both ends, but it's easier than ever to build this type of a network. Back in 2008, when I launched my business, 
we didn't have these platforms. I mean, I know we did, but Facebook wasn't considered anything to do with business at the time. If LinkedIn existed, I certainly wasn't on it. And most people I know weren't on it. If they were, they weren't actively posting things and engaging with people. So I think it's hugely important to just start with a list of people you know that you could reach out to. And if you exist... I have a a question. Uh, In terms of the... Uh, the difference that you found in uh, building in-person relationship uh, relationship versus building a social media relationship with people that don't know. Is there a different dynamic that you have found? Um, does it work in the same way to build the re- of relationship process or is it different? Uh, what, has be- what has been your yeah. experience? Yeah, it's definitely different. Because what happens in the social media world is I look at my Facebook page and my LinkedIn profile and even the posts I do as LinkedIn, I look, to, I look at that like my digital business card. Mm-hmm. So when I post something, I'm not always concerned with how many likes did I get? How many comments did I get? How many this? How many that? I'm looking at it as a timeline because when I connect with new people, I tend to have a quick scroll through their timeline, even sometimes before I accept their request to see what they're all about. And is this somebody that I want as part of my network? And I look at my timeline the same way. But that's very different than connecting with someone in person. Yeah. Because if when you I don't meet, scroll their timelines, it would be, be like, hey, check out my articles and have like a bunch of articles that I've written, printed out and like throw them in their face and like sit there and watch them read the articles. And what did you think? What did you think? Yeah. (laughs) So it's different in, in person. I think the best thing you can do is just start the conversation with a smile, try to find some common ground. I used to hate networking. I found it, you know, cringeworthy. I would stand at the back of the room and just sort of, look around and justify it like, oh, I'm an uh, extroverted introvert. And once I know my audience, then I'll come alive and stuff. But I missed out on connecting with so many great people because no one wants to talk to that person that's just standing with their phone, not looking at anybody. Right. I don't look very exciting to talk to. So what I had to do was realize, you know what, there's probably a lot of other people in the room that feel the same way. And maybe that's a great icebreaker. So maybe instead of standing and thinking, oh, I bet there's other people that think the same thing. I wish we had some common ground to connect on. Maybe that is the common ground that we connect on. So you just walk up to somebody who's also alone or a group. The awkward person there with their phone. Uh, (laughs) You know, so how are you finding the event? Or what are your thoughts on networking? (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. Well, I hate it too, but I'm here for business. I hate it too, exactly. Why do you hate it? And then, exactly. And then we can establish some common ground and then it takes off from there. Or it's also great to get to know people through other people. So like you said at the beginning of this uh, show, we met through a mutual connection, Nate. And I already knew a little bit about you. You already knew a little bit about me. So when we met and we had our first conversation, we had just a couple of little pointers about each other that we knew we could reference. So that's another great way. When you go to a networking event, if there's any way to research the people that'll be there, the topics, you know, that kind of stuff. If you're going to a networking event and there's going to be speakers there, There's usually like a networking bit at the beginning when you first arrive. Well, a great conversation starter could be, you know, oh, which speaker are you most interested in hearing or what brought you to this event? What topic are you most interested in? You know, just finding some kind of common ground to relate to them. And then so what you're not suggesting is uh, as soon as you meet someone saying, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's like. It's like there's, you know, the cheesy pickup lines that people use in a bar, like, what's your sign? And do you come here often? Networking can be the same way, you know, like, hi, my name's Kristen. So what's your sign? (laughs) I mean, I would ask what their sign is because I'm really into astrology, but. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Now, there is a, uh, it's really interesting because, uh, 
at what point then uh, or you ask for the referral or you understand uh, uh, if there is potential to do business with this person or it's just a waste of time engaging with that particular individual. Are you looking for some particular clues that makes you say, I want to keep engaging with this person? The reason why I'm asking this question mm-hmm. is because I'm I, speaking a lot like I do or attending a lot of networking <laughs> events. There is always uh, some people sometimes that relationship works, they open networks, they open connections. But I'm thinking as well about how I'm opening networks to people. I mm-hmm. worked really hard to build those networks, so I'm not going to open my network to the first person I meet at a networking yep. event. Mm-hmm. So how are the dynamics at that point? How do you find the best solution to work at that point? Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's a timeline that I work with because I'm not dead yet. So there is potential for people that I've met 10, 15, 20, 38 years ago to still add value to my life. I believe in that. Sometimes it's just not the right timing for somebody. But I do try to avoid, well, all right, instead of talking about what I try to avoid, what I always look for is somebody that I would introduce to my mother, somebody that I would introduce to my best friends, somebody that I would let pet my dog, which I don't have at right now, but when I get a dog, somebody that I would let pet my dog, you know? So I avoid people that are overly negative. I avoid people that are just constantly questioning and challenging everything. You know, it's okay to, it's okay to have questions. It's totally okay to not agree with me. Perfectly fine. I definitely don't agree with everything that I see or hear, but there's a way to go about conducting yourself in a debatable fashion rather than an argument. Mm. So people that are just particularly negative, particularly aggressive, particularly, you know, know know-it-all type people. I don't want to introduce them to my network because, again, it's my reputation that I'm also maintaining. Not only the relationships, but my reputation. So if I introduce that person to somebody and they, you know, get into a heated argument with somebody that I hold in a really high regard, there's a potential that that's going to ruin our relationship or you know, cause a riff in our relationship, I wouldn't say ruin, but could cause a wave in our relationship, but could also affect my reputation as the one that introduced this person. So I will definitely do my fair share of vetting before I just introduce that person to my network and open up these connections, because I want to make sure that there's somebody that if I'm not around, I'm confident that they would behave in a similar fashion or that they respect me enough to know what to say and what not to say when I'm not around. So what I'm hearing you saying is that uh, this is not something that happens overnight. It's not uh, like a short-term strategy. It looks like more... uh, Of There are going to be some short-term gains, but it looks like there is more of a longer-term strategy when you build that relationship and that That's relationship true. solid. You build that mutual trust and that, that yep. mutual trust then creates the opportunities. Exactly. And I will often suggest after that first, say we meet face-to-face, I will often suggest that we then connect on social media because then they can get to know more about me you know, in their own time, at their leisure, But I can also get to know more about them. Sometimes people put on a certain front when they're in a suit at a networking event, but then I stalk them on social media and I realize, oh, wow, like this is what you do when you're not in a suit. And that's not, (laughs) you know, not somebody that I want commenting on my post. (laughs) That type of stuff. Okay. yeah. So this is uh, the first part. Uh, this is how we build relationship. I think it's very, yeah. very valuable. So we are looking at know, getting to know them personally. Yeah. And uh, as a, so we can understand their reputation, we can understand yeah. uh, their, their results. Exactly. So then yeah. in this way, we can see, are they the right fit for our network? And mm-hmm. also, 
can I be a good fit for their network as well? Yeah. So now let's uh, uh, fast forward a few years down the line, which means uh, you now have this uh, great relationship. You're generating some business from that relationship. They are opening doors for you. Mm-hmm. How, what do you do? Do you have like a kind of a checklist or a few things that you do to keep that relationship alive or a few suggestions that you can make to, to our listeners? Yeah, to me, every relationship is different and unique. So I don't have a specific checklist of what I always do for every single client or every single supplier. But I do make a very, very, very conscious effort to pay attention to what's important to them. So for some people, their birthday is really important to them. To other people, they're not bothered. It's just another day that I get older. But if I know their birthday is poor, is important, then I'm going to make a big deal and, you know, maybe do a social media post about their birthday or treat them to a gift or make some kind of a fuss that it's their birthday, send them something in the post. The people that aren't bothered that it's their birthday, maybe their pets are really important to them. So when Nate and I first started working together, we were putting out a monthly newsletter for our clients and we had a pet of the month feature. You know, their pets some recognition. So it's not necessarily about, okay, do A, B, C, D, but it's just be genuinely interested in what's important to the other people. Yes. Think about them. I do take time every day to think about my, you know, my connections, the people in my life, a really good habit that I learned a few years ago from Franklin Covey is to identify the different roles that you play in your life. For example, I'm a mother, I'm a business owner, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, you know, I'm a a leader, I'm a speaker, I'm a coach. These are all different roles. And even though I'm Kristen and I'm all those in one, there are some times where I need to focus on Kristen, the business owner, and what does Kristen, the business owner, need to do to move the business forward? But then there are other times when I need to focus on Kristen as a mom, and my kids deserve my undivided attention. So I think the relationships, it's important that you're maintaining them in a way that's true to you, but in a way that identifies the role that you play in that relationship and how that affects the other person. That's such, so. a, that's such a great piece of advice. And uh, would you recommend people to actually or have a document, uh, like when they have, or like a piece of paper to write a different role and to brainstorm it? Is that what you did to identify your roles or it was just all mental yeah. work? No, it was definitely, I'm a pen and paper person through and through. <laughs> So I wrote down, okay, what are the different roles? And then I thought about, you know, kind of going back to my, the people that I know helped me identify some of my roles. I forgot that I was a daughter. I put down easily that I was a mother, but I forgot the other side of that is I'm a daughter. And then realizing I'm a daughter made me realize I'm also a niece. Yes. And so it just helped me trickle into those different roles. Now I'm not saying every, every role that we play needs to be, you know, we don't have to divide our time equally amongst all of those roles. So this is, again, why writing it down on paper can be important. You know, my role as a mother is going to take up more time. And right now in my life is a lot more important than my role as a niece. Yeah. You know, my aunt, if she only hears from me once every six months, then she's perfectly happy with that. I saw my aunts over the summer. We spent an afternoon together that kind of ticks my niece box for till I see her again at Christmas. You know, maybe I'll send an email or two in the meantime, but my kids require constant attention from me. And I have to, a big, big shift I made in my life was not trying to play two roles at the same time. When I was growing my business, I was very much the mom that distracted her son here you play with your cars and trucks while I'm over here you know on my laptop and that's not fair to him or to me you know he deserves my undivided attention and so does my work it should be 
uh, you know, there's a time and place for everything. Yeah, such a great piece of advice. Uh, um, I have one more question before we go into the lifting the veil part. Mm-hmm. Is about uh, I we we had recently a conversation uh, which was uh, during a panel that uh, we did at an event with uh, with Coach Nikki, mm-hmm. and you mentioned there is. Uh, like there is this element where you're looking at the social side, the relationship side, but also there is the moment when you sit down and talk business. Yes. And when you talk business, you talk business. Yes. So how then do you do you talk business uh, in terms of leveraging those relationships that you have? What kind mm-hmm. of conversation do you have with them, uh, um, with your network uh, to make sure that actually right now, okay, done with the chit chat, we are friends, we trust each other, we respect each other, great. Now let's make some money. So <laughs> what, what do you do, Dan? A huge part of that is managing the other person's expectations. So my role in the recruitment company involves a lot of meetings with uh, the job boards like Reed and Total Jobs, Job Site, Monster, etc. And in the beginning, my team and I would sort of go into these meetings blind and just let the job board take control of whatever they thought we should be meeting about. And then I realized, well, they're gaining from this, but we're not. And there were a lot of times where we then wanted to bring something up and it caught them off guard. They had no idea that we were feeling a certain way. So I realized very early on that I felt disappointed when my expectations weren't managed and weren't met I owe it to the other person to manage their expectations. So if I'm meeting with a potential new client and my goal is to get a sale out of them, I will tell them that we're meeting to talk about how we can work together. I will tell them that the goal of the meeting is to see whether or not we can do business together. I won't say, hey, Simona, you want to go grab lunch on Tuesday? And have you think that we're having a social catch up and we're getting lunch and then all of a sudden spin the conversation into, so by the way, just my terms and conditions. And (laughs) you should pay me for, you know, working with you. So managing the other person's expectations is going to make them, you know, come to the meeting or the phone call or whatever prepared And if they have objections or they have concerns, at least they'll be thought out ones, not ones that that just come up because they're caught off guard. And even if you do close a sale, but you caught the person off guard, they're way more likely to have buyer's remorse where they walk away and cancel or they walk away and say, oh, geez, I committed to that, but I probably shouldn't have. And then it makes working with them difficult and a chore and then they're kind of wondering every time we meet up they're wondering oh is this going to be a social thing or is Kristen going to try to sell me a lot of times they'll probably start declining my invitations to meet up because they assume no matter what I said that I'm going to spin it into a sale so we're now very clear the team and I whenever we meet with prospective clients existing clients our suppliers it's always clear what the purpose is of the meeting. Now, yes, other things will come and go throughout the meeting, but we understand the underlying purpose is either relationships or let's talk about the complaints and concerns or let's talk about renewing this contract and how we continue to do business forward. The premise is always there for both parties to understand. So advice is... uh be clear, set the expectations. So then uh, when you have that meeting, uh, people know what kind of hat they're wearing, like in terms of the role that they are talking about roles, the, the role that they are playing in that moment is the role of the friend is the role of the potential client is the role right. of the potential partner. So exactly. then they can understand what's going to happen. And there is no surprises, which then can leave the relay can can affect the, the person relationship at that point. 100%. Yeah. And it's, it's just a matter of put yourself in their shoes for a minute. If you were the other person, I hate what that. would you want to know? I hate that. <laughs> <I'm> a- 
You hate putting yourself in other people's shoes. No, no, no. I, uh, I, no, no. I put myself in other people's shoes. I hate when someone has a second agenda that is oh, not right. being okay. expressed. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. What? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I understand yeah. that it's important putting in other people's shoes. What I was saying is, yeah. I hate when someone comes to me and the agenda, like they, they use their agenda to use another agenda. Mm-hmm. And for most of the time, I'm like, okay, can you go? Can you get to the point? Because yeah. I don't get why we're here right now. So. Cutting all yeah. the fluff. Tell me the point. Why are we here? Because you told me we were here for this reason. Yeah, I exactly. I gave you my time for and this now reason. Suddenly, and now... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, I hate that. And I started hating that person. No, not hate. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm, I'm not that bad. But <laughs> it, it will annoy me. It will really yeah, annoy me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now we understood on how to build a relationship, how to maintain and keep those relationships, how to make the most of the meetings that we have with the, with the relationship mm-hmm. that we have built. And it's time to transition to the part of the interview where we are talking about lifting the veil, where we are, we are lifting the veil on something that you are doing or something that you are using or a book or a resource or a piece of software, technology, whatever it is mm-hmm. that uh, is a, you, you used it recently and it, you recommend other people to know about it or to use it or to read it. So what is that for you, Kristen? Fantastic. Well, it's definitely not technology and software because I am not the best with that. But I would have to say it's sort of a book and, well, it's definitely a book, but it's also a technique that I learned about before the book. So Last summer, I had the opportunity to meet Randy Zuckerberg at a business retreat. Mm-hmm. Most listeners probably recognize the, recognize the surname Zuckerberg. So Randy is Mark Zuckerberg's older sister, but she's so much more than that. She's, you know, a entrepreneur. She's the person behind the marketing of Facebook when little brother couldn't get the concept off the ground and to grow quick enough, he called her in and she leveraged her experience in working in New York to really grow Facebook. She's actually the person that invented Facebook Live and she's now gone on to launch her own media company and she's also opening up restaurants to help young children, specifically young girls, get into STEM careers. So the science, mathematics, yes. technology, and engineering. Yeah, or engineering, mathematics, STEM, you know. That those were in the <laughs> <laughs> So not only is she a phenomenal person, but she taught us about this concept last year in August and then released a book in March or April of this year. And the concept is called Pick Three. So... Her concept is not that we should be striving for work-life balance. As everybody says, I need better work-life balance. I need work-life balance. As if one day everything's just going to be perfectly balanced and and life is is grand from that point on. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Her concept is that there's no such thing as work-life balance. And we all need to accept work-life imbalance. And her theory behind this is we can have it all, just not every day. Hmm. So she lists five things that most people want or try to do throughout the day, throughout the week. And you can vary and alter your own five. But her five are sleep, work, friends, family, and wait, work, sleep friends, family, and finance. Mm -hmm. And so she puts her focus on three out of those five things each day. So each day when she wakes up, she decides which three she's going to focus on and the other two are just going to have to wait. Sorry, it's not finance, it's fitness. I knew something wasn't right about that. Work would include the finance. Finance, fitness. Work, yeah, work, sleep, friends, family, fitness. So some days she's going to work out and then she's going to spend time with her friends and or she's going to spend time during the day with her family and then go out with her friends. So that means, you know, work and sleep are going to have to wait till another day. Yeah. Other times maybe she's, you know, been running and traveling and doing all these things and sleep is a priority But then she also needs to make sure that she gets some work done. And then in the evening, she's going to be with her family. 
So that means, you know, the other two have to wait until the next So this concept has changed my life in the year or so that I've been applying it because I'm definitely someone that wants it all. I'm somebody that believes we can have it all if you put in the effort. But there have also been times in my life where I've just run myself ragged and I've been burnt out. You know, I was telling you yesterday that this weekend was one of those for me where I just had to shut my doors and do nothing to recover physically and mentally from all the work that I've been doing in the last couple of months. So I love Randy's concept because we can have it all, but we can't try to always cram everything into every day and get the amazing results. So I'm a big believer of that too. I never read that book. I'm going to read it because it sounds fascinating. Uh, so how, what's the name of the book again? Pick three. Pick three. Pick three. Make sure you get it, Randy Zuckerberg. Uh, there is going to be a link in the show notes of uh, Pick Three as well, and uh, that's what happened. Uh, we did our three-day seminar on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, I had other two events or three events during the week. I don't even remember. So, mm-hmm. for has been uh, last week very intense for me too. And we had the, we had the chat where I put an image on Facebook. This is my day today. Cup of coffee in my pajama. And I think I watched about like six movies during the day and then went playing basketball in the evening. And uh, I processed two payments. <laughs> that was like, no, I need, I need to process these two payments because I want to I get money in the account. So let me process the two payments. But then all while I was watching, uh, um, I think it was uh, uh, Point Break. Uh, really great movie if you like a motocross uh, and uh, like haste kind of movie anyway i'm getting sidetracked right now <laughs> so uh kristen has been an incredible interview absolutely love it great thank you for having me i know that right now you're doing uh, uh, your you, your business is a superlative recruitment it's going really well it's growing uh, you got a you got a lot of staff members that are helping you out growing the business and you started as well now doing coaching and mentoring for people that want to grow their businesses as mm-hmm. well, in particular with low overheads and not spending a lot of money into marketing, not spending a lot of money into personnel or office buildings, mm-hmm. because that's what you have done. Uh, so if someone wants to know more about how they can work with you and have this kind of business that create this kind of model, mm-hmm. uh, what where can they connect with you? What do you have coming up? Well, they can check out my digital business cards on Facebook <laughs> or on LinkedIn. I'm occasionally on Instagram and I'm not much of a Snapchatter, so don't look for me there. But we can put the links to LinkedIn and Facebook yeah. in the comments as well. And then also uh, in just a couple weeks time on October 18th, I'm hosting an evening seminar. It's a a free workshop and it's just going to be for people that are looking to start or scale a business and are looking for a way to do it, like you said, with low to no overhead, without paying any salaries and without paying for marketing and advertising. I've been able to grow from, you know, the 50 pound a week that I was getting from my first to over a million dollars in sales revenue last year without paying for fancy office space, without paying a single salary and without spending money on marketing and advertising, you know, through the traditional channels stuff. So we're going to run this workshop on the 18th of October. We could probably put the link in. The the link is going to be in the show notes as well. Well, and uh, also for those of you that uh, might not maybe be able to make the 18th of October, uh, the link is going to be the same because you're going to run uh, um, we're going to run also other events in the future. But it, exactly, yeah. So we'll it, probably do one in November. I don't know that we'll do one in December with Christmas, but yeah, back at it in January as well. Exactly. So I'll be there as well, uh, hosting the event. Mm-hmm. Make sure so we can have a lot of fun together. Uh, make sure that uh, you click on the link and register because uh, I've seen uh, part of the content that Kristen is going to deliver at that training and is mind-blowing. Uh, while 
I mean, you've already had a tester today, so <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about this event. So make sure you register so I can see you there on the 18th of October because uh, that's a great way. That's a very smart way to run a business. Very, very, very smart way to run a business and you must know about it because uh, it might be that you are, if you're starting, you're starting in the right way. And if you are growing, then you can actually save a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. you might already be wasting in uh, things that you just because you maybe didn't know that another possibility so uh get your ass to the workshop <laughs> <laughs> Kristen and i'm we're looking forward to see you there on the 18th of october uh Kristen, uh thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure having you uh, as thank a guest you. it's been a lot of fun yeah yeah it was it was indeed a lot of fun uh, generally our interviews are about uh, 30 minutes and we've been going for about an hour so oh my i didn't even notice yet. yeah no me neither that's why i'm like when i have a really like a really really extra special interview i'm like yeah keep talking i like it <laughs> <laughs> so it was fantastic Great. thank you very much thank you thank you uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. We are live uh, on your favorite podcasting platform uh, three times a week. Oh my God, yes, yes. So for those of you that cannot get enough uh, of my voice and uh, these uh, amazing guests like Kristen that we have on the show, make sure you tune in for the next one. Register for the workshop that we are going to have on the 18th of October. And if you haven't subscribed yet, Subscribe, like, what, what are you waiting for? This is a, it's absolutely an amazing podcast. So subscribe right now. And remember that together we grow exponentially. I'll see you next time. Ciao.